0: Broadcasting from Moscow, Idaho, this is the Campus Research Podcast. I'm your host, Keith Darrell. This is episode 90, Brother Jed, with Tom Short. Welcome, everybody, to the Campus search Podcast, a podcast designed to encourage and equip you in the work of evangelism. I am your host, Keith Darrell, and I am being joined today by a, a guy who has been a mentor of mine. He's the one who kind of uh, helped, helped shape my early preaching. Um, The first man we're going to be talking about is uh, a guy named Jed Smock. I went off to college in 1993 at Bowling Green State University. I was a walking across the campus one day and I saw a Hubble Blue out front of the uh, student union and there's a girl over flipping tar- tarot cards and uh, the socialists were out there. The demon master guy called himself DM, demon master. He was out there in the middle of the the big crowd was uh, a guy uh, telling everybody they're going to burn in the eternal lake of fire. And he kind of carried this thing out and Beavis and Butthead were popular at the time and everyone started saying, F- yeah fire, fire, fire. And uh, that was my introduction to uh, campus uh-huh. preaching. And then about seven years later, I decided I wanted to be a Campus preacher, Uh, I knew what I didn't want to do, but I didn't know how I wanted to do it. And I just started emailing people. Uh, It was kind of early internet days, and I just started emailing people. And someone said I was in Texas A and M in the early or in the mid '90s, and we'd have a guy Tom Short come and preach, maybe. Uh, you should reach out to him. And so I uh, reached out to Tom Short, and a couple weeks later, we met up in Washington, D.C., and I was like, yeah, this is how I want to campus preach. So let me introduce you to a guy who um, was a bit of a mentor to me and helped shape my campus preaching, uh, Tom Short. Welcome, Tom. So glad to be with you, Keith. Uh, we're glad, glad to have you on, and we look forward to uh, kind of discussing a little bit of the history of open-air preaching. You obviously were influenced by Jed Smock, who uh, passed away on, um, yesterday, I believe. Yesterday morning, he passed away from uh, liver disease. Uh, and here is a man who's been on campus since, I think, like, do you know what year he started preaching?
1: I, I want to say 72, but I'm not
0: certain of that. And when did, 1972. Okay, And when did you come across him?
1: Uh, I probably came across Brother Jed in 1976.
0: And was that at Ohio State University?
1: That would have been at the Ohio State University. And I had a similar reaction to you. As a matter of fact, he had a large crowd out there and he had a, a, another person called Brother Max. Mad Max. Brother Max. I'm going to date myself here, but if you're a little bit older, Brother Max was a spitting image of Woody Hayes, which he was the Ohio <laughs> State football coach. Uh-huh. Wore a red hat and a white shirt and black tie, looked just like Woody, and he would come out there and preach. Well, Jed was preaching, and of course they had a strong hellfire and turn or burn message, and uh, a large crowd out there, and he called upon Max. And while Max was getting up, I jumped into the center of the circle and said, you know, uh, let me talk about the God I know, because this is different than what I know. So I kind of gave this this message of um, uh, the other side of what they were preaching. Now, now, Brother Max wasn't real happy that I did that. And um but that was my introduction to Jed at that time. I wasn't real happy with him at, the, at, the, at the, that day.
0: Yeah, I was I was mixed because my nature is to be contrarian. And so when I went off to college, I'd just become a believer. And everyone was like, stay away from the campus preacher. So I, I had to go see the campus preacher. And I, I there were things I, you know, I, I was a brand new believer. So I didn't know heads or tails of the Bible. Um, I, I was just, I, but I was glad that someone was actually preaching repentance. And that was actually one of the things that drew me to him is that here's a guy who's actually talking about repentance rather than, hey, would you like to invite Jesus into your heart? Here's a man that was talking about repentance, but I was trying to piece together a combination of my, uh, you know, what is it that I believe as a Christian? What is this guy saying as a Christian? What's the campus ministry saying as a Christian? Um, but the, the main thing that ended up standing out for me and even how I got into open-air preaching was I remember everybody kind of being upset with the basic idea, but I remember going back and reading the book of Acts and just being like, well, this is what they're doing in the book of Acts. This seems to be what the apostles are doing. And I was involved with Campus Crusade and we were reading about uh, revivals and Whitfield and Wesley and these men were open air preaching. So I was very early on drawn to the methodology uh, of open air preaching, even if I thought that the message itself was a little bit uh, haywire-y and a little bit funny.
1: Well, I was too. And dare I say that, uh, this was like right after, this is my first year out of high school. And I back in high school, I was very active in evangelism, and I, I'd always wanted to stand up in the cafeteria and preach the gospel. I never got the guts to do it. Um, and so when I saw this going on, it, it, it fired up something within me, even though I was somewhat of appalled at some of the methods and messages. But, of course, my relationship with Brother Jed didn't end there. And over the years, we became very good friends.
0: And, and did you, uh, if, if you don't mind, just tell, tell him the, the story of, uh, uh, of meeting Jed, kind of, I guess, maybe approaching him, confronting him about his uh, message and method very early on. Yeah.
1: So, you know, the first several times I saw him on campus, I was really bothered. I was really upset at him, and I didn't understand what he was – why he was saying some of the things and some of his methods and so on. And, um, and I, I have a very negative attitude, and God convicted me. That here's a man. He, we're on the same side. We're we're both Christians. He's not out there preaching atheism, and he convicted me that I'd like to I, I'd like to uh, uh, I'd like to preach on campus, and so I should try and learn from him. So I began to say I'm not going to criticize him, and if I do, I will follow the biblical pattern of approaching him in private, and talking. And so I stopped the public stuff, and I listened to him, and and one day as he was leaving campus, I walked with him out to the car, his cars, oh, maybe seven or eight-minute walk. And uh, and the whole time I was waiting until everybody left. I was walking with him to his car. He didn't say a word. And the whole time I was telling him how he could do it better, what he, what he was doing wrong. And we walked out to his car, and he just listened all the way. We got to his car. I can still see it in my mind today. Uh, we got to the car. He opened up the door, put his briefcase in the back. And looked me in the eye, and the first thing he said, do you preach on campus? And I said, well, I've, I've kind of given some efforts, but not really. And he said, well, let me just then say, I like the way I do it better than the way you don't. <laughs> and with that, he turned, got in his car. I was speechless. I said, it's got a point. he has uh-huh. got a point there. And, uh, and as I saw the car drive down out of the parking garage, I literally prayed, Lord, he's right. But I pray that there'd be a day he wouldn't say that to me. He couldn't say it to me. And that was that was kind of a, uh, a deepening of my commitment to be preaching on campus myself.
0: Yeah, that that, that element, uh, it's, it's kind of classic, Jed, even him being quiet for like the, the seven, eight minute walk. Um, I remember. So back in probably like 2003, um, I bumped into him at Ohio State over my spring break. And he actually pulled me aside. One of his buddies was preaching, so I, I couldn't take what he was saying. So I hop in and start going back and forth. And Jed grabs me, pulls me aside. And um, uh, and as we were talking, there, there's actually, we'll get to a story there in a minute, but the, there was a, uh, as we were talking, he kind of uh, was just started asking me out where I like to preach. And I was like, well, I, I preach all the time at the University of Missouri. I think it's the best place in the, in the country to preach. And he goes, I haven't been there in 25 years. And then two weeks later, he's, at, he's in Columbia preaching. And uh, he's like, Keith, I'm moving to Columbia, Missouri. And um, but the thing that was kind of funny within all of that, I remember like tons of people knew me at the University of Missouri because of I was out there every week preaching. And then Jay gets out there. It was kind of funny. He's like, he shows up. He had a crowd one day. I show up and um, and and kind of out of the blue. He saw me just goes, um, well, you guys can ask Keith. I'm a much different man in private, but out here I'm a new man. And, and, and he really is like in private and off on the side. He's actually really, really quiet. I had dinner with him a couple times and he was a pretty quiet man. But, and usually when he spoke, it was uh, usually pretty direct and kind of, kind of getting to the point.
1: Jeb didn't, uh, if you got to know him privately, he didn't sit there and talk about sports. He didn't sit there and talk about the financial markets. He didn't even talk a whole lot about the news, although at times he was very concerned about our country and the direction of our country. He loved to talk about the Bible. He loved to talk about the, the, the Christian life and, and living in a victorious life over sin, over temptation. And uh, that's where his heart was. And um, I always left a private conversation with Jed inspired. Never a time I didn't. Always left inspired and encouraged to be more godly, more more uh, committed, more concerned for the lost, more concerned for the glory of God.
0: Yeah, I would, I would agree, and it was very much even um, that time I was out in Columbia, we, Jed and I went back to his house afterwards, and when we got there, Cindy, I think it's probably appropriate to say, she was kind of kind of choked up, and and, uh, and the reason she was choked up is they had some movers there, and she's like, I didn't share the gospel with them! I didn't share the gospel with them! And and it was, just, it was, it was uh, very endearing, and it was very convicting that, um, you know, she was upset with herself, that here, here are some people in her home for five or six hours, whatever it was, and um, she was upset she was not uh, sharing the gospel with them, and the times I was with Jed, I felt like yeah, he was he was eager to uh, share the gospel with uh, anybody anybody who was willing to listen. And um, even outside of the public preaching, the times I would see him off on the side. This is what I was going to get at, at Ohio State when he pulled me aside. I remember a young woman coming up to him and uh, came, coming up to the two of us, and she started asking him questions, and he was so gentle and so kind. And this was one of the days where where he uh, started to become like a little bit of a genius to me, or, or like a uh, or a mystery because. Uh, he's going through the love of God, and I, I honestly couldn't think of anybody uh, answering her questions with more kindness and patience, and explaining the love of God and all that sort of stuff. And she gets done, and she she leaves, and I just look at him, and go, "Hey Jed, why don't you ever let the students out here see that side of you?" And he just goes, ha, 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 ha. he just gave it a little <laughs> a little chuckle, and uh, and I was like, "Well, there's there's a there's a method method to his madness." Yes.
1: Yeah. Well. <laughs>
0: So if you, know you met him, if you don't, I mean, if, if, if you met him in 1970, would you mind giving like a little bit of a timeline? I, I need I need dates and markers. So if you met him around 1976, um, so so we're looking at what is that 40, 45, roughly roughly 45 years. We'll just say it's 45 years ago that you uh, met him, saw him, and then so. Uh, when when would you say that you and Jed maybe started becoming friendly and maybe even as you got into open air preaching, uh, how that stuff began to get shaped and then later in the later in it, I think it'll be interesting as you describe maybe the evolution of forty five years of preaching on campus,
1: yeah, so so yeah i I probably the first time I ever saw him was there in seventy six and again, I wasn't uh, I mean something something I loved about him, but I also was pretty turned off to his method, but um <clears throat> But I, as time went on, you know, I began to change my attitude, say I, I should repro- approach him privately. And I also, then a the second thing, by like 78 or so, I thought to myself, I should learn from I don't care what he's talking about. The guy knows how to generate an audience and get people interested. That's the hardest thing about campus preaching.
0: Mm-hmm. is
1: get. Well, it's one of the hard things, getting started, getting people who are just walking by with a thousand things in their mind to stop and listen to you. And he was a master at it. He knew how to do it. And I decided to learn and I learned some basic lessons from him uh, at that time I, I learned you know he starts right from the Bible mm-hmm. when I'd start campus uh, trying on otherwise I'd try and relate to the students first and work weave into the Bible well he just started with us saith the Lord mm-hmm. and and that's how I do now too people know why I'm out there I, I'm not going to fool them that I'm some psychology professor I've been a free lectures. <laughs> Uh-huh yeah. so, something
0: that's, like that That's so funny because that's exactly how I started So when I started, I, you know, I wanted to be the anti jed and so I was, I was basically like Joel Osteen, you know what I mean? I was like, and I'd try to start, like, hey every, I'd try to be upbeat and say, "Hey everybody, I'm Keith and uh and you know, I'm still getting middle fingers, but no crowd. and and even like one of the the two things I always tell people that that you you helped me the most in that regard, um, when we met up in Washington DC, and I think it was 2000 yeah, it was 2000, uh, right around October of 2000. And you said, you can preach, you just need to do two things. Uh, Don't apologize for being out here, so preach with boldness, um, which I wasn't doing. I was kind of hoping people would listen to me rather than going out there and expecting people to listen to me. And then the other thing that you said is, if anybody asks you a question, just take two steps back and project it so everybody can uh, hear you. Because what I was doing, if someone started asking me a question, I'd go up and start talking to them, which would kill any any chance of getting a crowd. So that, that was the those are the two things which would be similar. Like, Jed, just starting off with the Bible, like you're just like, go out there and preach boldly where they have to listen to you. And that was one of the things that kind of it really was like the the pivot in my preaching about six weeks in, eight weeks in. And next thing I know, I was like, man, most days I get a crowd now. Yeah,
1: well, that's awesome. That's and, and those are some things I learned and I learned, be active. Don't stand still. <laughs> move around. Be active. Uh, and I, and I learned to interact with people. People don't want to hear a lecture, but they're really interested in seeing a discussion. Mm -hmm. They can be a third party watching. And that's one, those are things I've learned as well. About 1979, we moved out to, uh, College Park, Maryland, University of Maryland. And we were out scouting the campus one day before we were there. And Jed was preaching on campus there. And we, um, uh, we, we went out and we, uh, We listened to him for a while, went out to dinner with him afterwards, and I would say that was a major time in in developing more of a kinship with him and the camaraderie. And seeing him, I'd always seen him at Ohio State, and now I was seeing him at a different place where he had, he wasn't well-known, but he went out there, and you know, Maryland's a dark campus. It's a very dark place, and there he was laboring the gospel, and it just did my heart good to see how he was working in the gospel. Later on, in the in the uh, spring of 1980, so now we're we're in Maryland, and I became convinced I wanted to, the Lord was calling me to preach regularly on campus, and so I took a three-week trip. Maryland was on semester; they finished. I took a three-week trip to Michigan, Ohio, and spoke on quarter schools that were still in session throughout May and early June. And it was there that I a couple times I ran into Jed and Cindy and Max in different places. And so again I was I was beginning to feel a camaraderie with them. And if, if I could say one thing here I, I've thought of with Jed, you know, Keith, you, you know this, I know this. If there's some of us who preach open air on campus, even if we don't say everything exactly the same, there's a camaraderie because we've been in the same battle. Mm-hmm. You know what it's like. And other people, other people just don't understand what it's really like to be out there and have all these things thrown at you, and the crowd around you, and 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 people trying to get you to act out of the spirit, and they bring everything in the sun under the sun up to you, and the the pressure and the this Holy Spirit filling you, and the thrill that comes from that, but the, the also the challenge of it. There's a camaraderie with others who've done that, and I was beginning to really feel that with Jed at that point.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I was, you know, even though I still uh, disagreed with some of the some of his message, there was a camaraderie and a and true brotherhood that I was experiencing with him.
0: Yeah, I think that's I think that's absolutely true. That's even one of the things, just kind of even broadly in my own life. Like prior to open air preaching, I, I had a corporate job in New York City, and um, and it would be one of those things. Like even even the open air preaching, it just changes you. Like you, for me, just the utter starkness between light and darkness becomes so much more real in that context. And even, even that's one of the things that's a, a great encouragement every now and then is is when someone who's just like, "Man, like I was a Christian, but this just." draws the line and they're they're on the outside looking in and even as you pointed out like the filling of the Holy Spirit when you're preaching sometimes and you can literally see people get hardened and softened to the gospel while you're preaching it's a it's it's a joyous thing but it's also a terrifying thing because every now and then it's just like oh Lord do not let them make any different decisions because of me like I'm accountable for everything coming out of my mouth and it it becomes a terrifying thing but you have those days when you can See people like I, I I remember this one time uh, there was a couple years ago in central Washington, a, a guy sitting on a hill and I thought he was a believer because he was just gobbling up everything I said. I returned the next semester and he's like, hey, I was listening to you last night. I was like, oh, yeah, you were sitting on the hill. He's like, yeah, I became a believer that day. I was like, oh, you weren't already a believer. He's like, no, I just knew everything you were saying was true. And I was like, oh, my goodness. Like I, I could literally see him. Gobbling up the gospel as I was preaching, so that, I think that's a that's a huge point. That yeah, it, it is like a little bit going off to battle with some people, and then you kind of have those uh, you have those stories with one another.
1: Yeah, during that time, th- there was a day there in May of 1980 that was one of the most eventful days. This was early on, and I was at Bowling Green student Bowling Green. State University, which you said that's where you went?
0: That that was my freshman year. Then I transferred down to Miami of Ohio, and that's where I, I, I first saw Jed out in front of the union.
1: So I went up there, and I have my wife with me, and we have one child at the time, a stroller, and... I was about to start, and here comes Max and Cindy.
0: <laughs> I and, just and, even uh, even sorry to interrupt you, but even even like Bro Jed, Mad Max, Sister Cindy, you know what I mean. Like and and did they, didn't they even like call themselves the Destroyers or, so, or was that a nickname the students the, gave the, them?
1: The Destroyers, yeah, from uh, <laughs> Jeremiah that you know they come to destroy and to, to tear down and to build up, you know. So, <laughs> so so yeah, I don't know if the students gave it to them or or whatever, but they that's what they're called. So I was wondering, um. Oh, goodness, what do I do here? Uh, do I preach with them? Do I go somewhere else on campus? What do I do? So I introduced myself to Max, and I said to him, um, you told him I was there, and he said, well, you, we can preach together here. I'd be glad we can just tag team, or you can go over there and preach if you like. And well, I knew if I went over there, no one would listen because they'd all be over listening to Max and Cindy. So we tag teamed. And it was a, quite a day because uh, we had quite a crowd. And each of us were doing were kind of on fire. I remember about four o'clock, a rock band, like a, a drum, um, uh, a guitar and a singer. So a three person rock band with microphone amplification came out and were setting up and I was preaching at the time I was the one preaching and I could see them setting up and the crowd was kind of giggling, laughing, you know, because these guys are going to drown us out. And, um, uh as soon as they started playing, I kind of walked over door towards Max and Cindy, you know, saying we're we're drowned out. Now we can't compete against the implication. And I started walking over there and Max yells at me, Don't you ever let some rock band stop. You get out there and
0: <laughs>
1: Just like and Woody is,
0: Hayes, just like Woody Hayes. Just
1: like Woody Hayes. He <laughs> <laughs> like scared me to death. I jumped back out there and kept preaching. You know, uh everyone had run over to the band, and within five minutes they were all back listening to us, and the band got discouraged and they stopped. Hmm. I learned an important lesson there, but we kept preaching. About five thirty, Max and Cindy had a dinner appointment. They left. I kept preaching. They came back about seven o'clock. I was still preaching, <laughs> so we start tag teaming again. At eight thirty, Jed shows up. He'd been preaching down somewhere in Dayton. He drove up. He shows up on campus. I meanwhile, I had to. I had a wife and baby. We had to go get checked into a hotel and get them to sleep. They ended up preaching that night till one in the morning. Wow, and that was um because uh, Jed, Jed grabbed his. I remember seeing him grab his Bible and jump out there in the crowd. He was so excited that things were still going. There was a large crowd there till one in the morning, and that was uh, one of the longer days they'd ever preached. And I was a part. I was a part of that day. Man,
0: that that is that is an amazing story. And that that, that is the thing. Even even like one of the one of the difficulties uh, broadly as a campus preacher is is yeah you, know, you you have your. Yeah. How how do you how do you yoke who you preach with? You know what I mean? Like it it often does attract kind of wild eyed people. And so trying to have some people who are fun, people you can have unity with, people who uh, you can tag in and trust what they're going to say. And I just think of some of the days, but um, I'm often not often, maybe maybe half the time or close to half the time. I preach by myself, but the times when I'm with other people, it's always from a combination of camaraderie, from fun, all that sort of stuff, just exponentially better. When you have a when you have a day where you can go get dinner and come back, that's just that's just pretty amazing.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I you know I always struggle with this because Jed and I come from a little bit different theological point of view. He's a, you know he he was uh, more of a Pentecostal holiness at the time. And he's, he's kind of, uh, he was Assembly of God, and and a Wesleyan. And so some of their uh, theology on Christian perfectionism was different than what I was raised and what I was believed. And through the years, you know, Jed would often, you know, I mean, it was typical of Jed, people would say, you can't judge. What, do you think you're perfect? And his answer would be, yes. And... Uh, <laughs> 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 and, and they said, what? You
0: think you're perfect? Uh, and yes. Well, I remember. Both I remember. I remember someone at Ohio State yelling at him once. He was out sitting, cast the first stone. Where's the rock? You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> So he was, and and also he he made the claim where he's like, "I haven't sinned in twenty five years." You can ask my wife, and so so yeah, just ask Cindy if he hadn't sinned in twenty five years. And yeah, it's it's a it's a little funny, but it is like it's it's kind of that Wesleyan uh, tradition that he's coming from of uh, kind of a a, you know complete sanctification or uh, perfect Christian perfectionism in this age that kind of Wesley promoted, and um, he kind of ran with it.
1: And I will say that. You know, the more Jed and I talked about these things, I appreciated how he would challenge me, and I think he listened to things that I would say, and, and sometimes it comes down to definitions, uh, sometimes things that people from our perspective would call a sin. Jed would, he, he didn't look at, it, he didn't he didn't see God as quite being as harsh. I remember, I don't know if we want to get into this as much, but the point being, what I think what what I would call more walking victory over sin and temptation is what he was referring to. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the wording of it would just, you know, I could agree with when I understood definitions and what they're talking about. I could be closer to what they were saying. And it was a healthy input in my life to learn, to be honest, in my own life to learn to focus less on I'm feeling I'm constantly sinning, I'm constantly disappointing God, I'm constantly falling short everything about me, and to have more of a a belief that that God is for me and god God loves me and he's buried my sins in the deepest sea and 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 uh, he's chosen to forget that and he sees me as being in Christ and so a lot of these you know without getting too much into it, but it's you know where what where's ju- what's justification what's sanctification how do the two fit? And um, I, I would say that Jed challenged my thinking these things in good ways and caused me to really step back and see what do I believe. Sometimes it's definitions, and I appreciate some of what he uh, – I've not fully embraced his points, but he certainly challenged my thinking in ways that helped me in my Christian growth.
0: Yeah, no, I, I totally agree, and even having a few discussions with them. And even that strand of thing, like yeah, we have been set free. And even uh, you know some of the distinctions he would make between you know what's temptation, what's sin, and 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 uh, and even the thing I really liked about him in uh, in bunch, bumping into him on campus, I had a brief discussion with him one time. Uh, at, it was at Ohio State, and he was uh, getting ready to preach. Cindy tags him in, and uh, and th- this is uh, tangential. Just but, but just the genius of Jed is we're off on the side we. Uh, And I was talking to him about the perfectionism thing and stuff like that. But Cindy was finishing up, and there was someone else who was kind of interrupting us. And and the transition was uh, so immaculate because Jed starts chiding the person – uh, who's kind of interrupting our conversation, and so he starts stealing the attention from Cindy a little bit. Then he just kind of transitions out into the circle. You know what I mean? So it was like it was a, it was a seamless transition from Cindy to Jed, and then he's out in the middle. And the thing that was, uh, and if you have a little kid, maybe maybe plug your ears. Um, but but Jed Jed he starts off talking about the difference between temptation and sin, and so he was talking about preaching at Ohio University one time, and and he's like, I'm out there preaching, and this girl comes out and she. Lifting up, acting like he's lifting up his shirt, he she goes. He goes, and this girl comes out, and she shows me what there is to see. But they look like poached eggs, so I wasn't very tempted. However, fifteen minutes later, this and vixen comes walking up to me, and I was, and she shows what there is to see, and I, I was tempted to reach out and grab them. but I said, Jed, no, I resisted the temptation, and so he would he would uh, immediately address some of those things. In the context of here's here's what I'm getting at. Can you can you resist this temptation? Yeah, you know, and you know, he's like, in order to be tempted, it must cross your mind. Um, and and so I, I did feel like oftentimes in evangelical type circles, we, you know, if the temptation crosses us, we're kinda like, Oh, well, I've already sinned and you know, it's kind of a defeatist attitude where Jeb like, Oh no, you can say no to those things and continue to walk in obedience to the Lord and be a slave to righteousness opposed to a slave to sin. So <clears throat>
1: If I can make a couple of comments on this area, I, you know, I, I think Jed, he would often hear people say, "Well, I'm a Christian, but I sin every day." Now, when I hear that, I, in my mind, I'm translating that, well, you know, I, I should have gotten up earlier to pray today. I was a little bit lazy. I was a little bit negligent in my quiet time, or I, you know, something like this. In his mind, when he hears someone say, "I sin every day," he in his mind, that that translates. I go get drunk and I and I have sex with my girlfriend, but God forgives me. And so there was this communication issue. I'd say to him, Jed, what do you mean by saying you sin every day? And what do you think the students understand? So I was talking with a good friend of mine that actually used to be an atheist and uh, professor on campus, a well-known atheist professor on campus, and he uh, he was in that he was in the sinful lifestyle and everything, and he was just in the college life. And um, he got saved and and has become a campus preacher himself now. He's resigned from the university and and is teaching and out on campus. So one day we were talking about different preachers and their styles. And I mentioned, you know, there's this one fella that it's like he preaches and it's like he thinks students are in a sincere and honest pursuit of wisdom and knowledge. And so a lot of his message is very polished and very intellectual and appeals to the high-browed intellectual person. And and I said, on the other spectrum, you got Brother Jed. <laughs> and Jed thinks, you know, if like the students come there for one purpose. I'm going to party on my parents' money while I go to college. I'm not interested in my education. all. Oh, I'm interested in having getting drunk and having sex. And I said, I'm somewhere in between. Mm-hmm. I think their students are really thoughtful, but, you know, obviously they like to go out and they think sin's where it's at and have a good time. And my professor friend, who'd been a non-Christian in the university for so long, he kind of chuckled, he said, Tom, uh, I hate to say it, but I think Brother Jed's closer to the truth on this one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and
0: I think uh, Jed Jed described himself one time as God. God's garbage man. I show up on that campus, I take the lid off, and I show those— I show those students what stinkers they really are. And so he just, uh, yeah, so he kind of, and then then he talks about how he tries to flush out all the garbage with God's word. So that's his, uh, so he was God's garbage man showing up on campus, trying to, trying to clen- clean up the campuses.
1: And you know, th- th- there is something to this because, you know, personally, I never got involved, I, like I became a Christian early in my high school years. I never got involved in the sex, drugs, and rock and roll scene. I never I I I don't know that I've hardly ever been at a party where everyone's getting drunk. I don't think I ever have. I, I I it's incomprehensible to me that people really just want to have sex with a total stranger. They don't care if they ever meet again. I just think, really? Are people like that? And you know, Jed was in that lifestyle. Jed was a hippie. Jed Jed was totally given to the sex, drugs, and rock and roll. He lived in out of Haight ashbury in san francisco he traveled to morocco and lived on a beach in a hippie colony there on you know he lived that, that life and so it, it, he sees people and he says this is what they're after it's hard for me to do that but again i think bro, probably brother jed had a greater pulse on where young people are at today than i do and i have and it's um it's been good for me to learn that um I don't understand that about people.
0: Yeah, yeah and it's uh, – that that his his story um, and his conversion was so well-crafted. You and I um, – so I met you in 2000. Then I believe it was the spring of 2001. You had maybe like four or five of us guys come to your house in uh, Columbus, and we spent a week with you preaching on a handful of campuses. And we got rained out at Ohio State. I think we're going to go to Ohio State. We got rained out, and Jed was maybe 40 minutes away in Newark. So we went over to Newark to meet with him, and uh, and even I'll I'll just never forget just like it, like Jed's like a, a constant showman. So I don't I, I don't know if you remember when we went to his house for a reading of a, a Christmas Carol. You, you were there, right? yeah. yeah and and so uh, but what was funny? So he I get this invitation. It says formal attire, and I'm like I'm not wearing a tuxedo to Jed's smock reading uh, Christmas Carol. I show up to his house, and I had like a you know just like a basic blue shirt on and a tie. I was like, hey, I got your invite. I was like, I wasn't sure exactly what um what you know what you meant by formal and he goes oh it's going to be interpreted like really differently and uh, he's like some more and he raises his hands some less as he looks at me like you've interpreted it on the low end of things um so he's always really funny witty a little bit of a showman but when we showed up to his um Uh, church and he was sitting in a rocking chair in the front and even him like honestly like when he would talk i would i could listen to him once or twice tell a story and almost have it memorized because it was so well crafted and the inflections and the tone and him talk about being on the beach of north africa stark naked howling at the moon and uh then an arab and there's always an arab uh put a put a came into his hippie man and Planted the cross the cross, Yeah. He an old the cross. rugged cross <laughs> yeah.
1: uh, an old, of the cross, <laughs> an old rugged cross.
0: That's right. Old rugged cross. And then he comes back to Terre Haute, Indiana. And I haven't heard him tell the story this way on campus forever. But um I remember him saying on that night, I went from Burger King to the King of Kings.
1: Yeah, I, I he walked by and someone was preaching, called out his name. He sat there listening. He
0: took him into the Burger King. Share the gospel, and then the Burger King. I met the king of kings. You're right. <laughs> uh-huh. And then the the other the other thing that was funny from that day was he talked about, uh, and, and this was even his genius because uh, he tells the whole story of praying and he thought God gave him a vision he's gonna be able to preach to thousands of people and he's like Lord I've shared the gospel once or twice before but I've never shared the gospel with thousands and he's like that weekend down at the Wabash River was a was a hippie concert and I went down there and the Doobie brothers were playing and they the they weren't brothers and their last name wasn't Doobie either. And um And he's like, he's talked about how they walked off stage. And he goes, when they walked off stage, I said, Lord, that must be my cue. So I got up on stage and I grabbed the mic and said, Jesus is just all right. Which means he's all righteous, but you are unrighteous. And and he talks about how he preached. And then he says, you know, they threw bottles at him and stuff like that. And he's like, he walked off stage and a guy said, hey, brother, I gave my life to the Lord. And then, and the part that was genius about him, he tells us this whole 10 minute story of the Doobie brothers and everything else. And he goes, I tell you guys that to tell you this. If you can tell the gospel to one person, you can do it to thousands. You just have to do it louder. Wow. And so and I remember, I remember I remember the whole the whole story they had crafted. And I I remember just absolutely loving him saying, I tell you that to tell you this. If you can tell the gospel to one person, you can do it to thousands. You just gotta do it louder. And I was like, Yeah, that's what you gotta do.
1: Hmm. That's good. That's
0: good. So that was a that was yeah that was a, that was a that was a fun week and pretty instrumental and that was even one of the things that helped me pivot on Jed was spending a little bit of time because you know I'm I'm come from a reformed tradition Jed is not so much reformed uh, he often will preach against the reformed tradition which is fine um, and and so but spending a little bit of time with them seeing him at Ohio State a couple times and and even even the little social elements that he had. Um, and and like just how thoughtful he was cuz i remember showing up i, I preach at university of oklahoma one day let's say it was a monday i show up on tuesday jed's already out there and he has a sign that says you deserve hell and so i show up on day 2 and all these students recognize me from the day before and handful of them come running over to me and i'm i'm within earshot of jed and they start asking me questions, and 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 the hard part is, like, I'm not agreeing with everything Jed's doing, but I don't want to sell him out, nor do I want to affirm everything he's doing. So you're in a little bit of a pickle, you know what I mean? And and so, he, but I, I would say, well, you know, I'm not going to take issue with everything they're saying. I I haven't heard them long enough. I'm not going to take issue with it. And I did say, you know, I don't know if I would be out here with that sign. And I think Sister Cindy or Pat was preaching at the time, and, and part of, the, like, just the kindness of Jed, like uh i noticed he walked away he came back 15 minutes later he put the sign in the car he just he just walked away put the sign away came back and was like all right i'm not going to use the sign and 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 even even that sort of thoughtfulness like he overheard the conversation and he was like all right here's what i'll do to accommodate this situation
1: jed you know jed and i would preach on campus at different times and to be honest i because of uh, how do I say this? I would want to go to campuses. Like I'm often sponsored on a campus by a Christian group. And sadly, a lot of the groups that would sponsor me don't really like Jim. They don't like his approach and, and so forth. But there'd be times when he lived nearby Columbus, and I lived in, and we would go to campuses where I didn't know people. And those were, those I got to tell you, Keith, those were precious times to me. They were building camaraderie. And we would talk at length about approach and what? why do you use these words? And don't, don't you think you're being misunderstood here? And and how can we be better understood? And I really felt they were a time of sharpening one another. Certainly sharpened me. And I hoped and thought that it, sparked, it sharpened Jed. Especially, remember, he said to me that time, he likes the way I do it better than the way he, likes the way he does it better than the way I don't. And I prayed that God would give me an opportunity to have positive input into his life. And we would preach on campuses, maybe another campus here in Ohio or somewhere, and uh, just be a wonderful day, just a wonderful day. And I would find myself, boy, Jed is, I I, I don't disagree with anything he's saying. Mm -hmm. And I wondered how much he was just wanting to, um, you know, he wasn't a man pleaser, but just be accommodating and respectful of me.
0: Yeah, and, and
1: here, that's it mean a lot yes
0: yeah because even even the couple times i've i've seen him he would kind of focus in on well we agree with the apostles creed and much of his preaching would would obviously still have the moral undertones and stuff like that but he would bring it back to that common ground that we had rather than look look to split look to divide look to find the difference he was actually looking for okay what's the common ground like and like you just said he wasn't he wasn't being a man pleaser he was he was like well keith's a believer and (laughs) how, how can i how can i and he was so smart he could talk in a way where the average student there would not notice huge theological gaps between us
1: and you know what that's that's something i think as campus preachers um i mean it's it's interesting because the truth is when i'm out on campus like i said i'm often sponsored by a group or brought in by a group but i consider myself ministering and speaking to the entire body of christ and representing people of different perspectives and there are times i'll things i believe strongly and i know there are other christians who may not agree with it and i'll speak up on it but by and large i i feel i'm i i don't want to i'm not promoting a group i'm promoting jesus and i want to be as united as i can with other believers on the campus and uh, and i want to build them and encourage and strengthen them and i think that when we when all we do is minister in our church it's really easy to begin to focus and emphasize on where we disagree with other believers, mm-hmm. but when we're ministering publicly and out in the gospel, we we see that the ones we're trying to reach and persuade, we we see that we're on the same side with other believers, even if there's some areas where where we might not see things eye to eye. What we're trying to do is reach the lost, and that's and and that's uh, that's I I think a lot of Christians have lost sight of that. Yeah, we, and, we battle one another. We're not we're not the enemy of one another. Yeah, and that's yeah, one we're, of the we're things. trying to respond, you
0: know. Probably one of the things that has stood out over the last, uh, I guess, twelve years I've been on campus full time is the various groups that I uh, get beco- have become friendly with. Um, we're like, you know, if I'm just huddled down reading my books, I'm like, oh, I disagree with them. But then you go spend some time with them, and you're just like, wow, they really love the Lord. And and what's also kind of funny is is yeah, how much more kind of gracious you have to become, because you realize, yeah, we are in a battle, and these people are calling on the name of the Lord, and they do love them, and and you realize how much is kind of culturally influenced on you as you kind of travel around. And so, yeah, fighting for that unity with other believers, especially as you kind of see, see the broader culture collapse, how do we work with one another and, yeah, like you were saying, build one another up rather than find the place where we divide. And I do think oftentimes campus preachers, particularly, you have a certain personality and you can kind of lean into the division rather than fighting for the unity.